morning. Welcome to another exciting episode of National Bugle Radio on the Republic Broadcasting Network, rbnrepublicbroadcasting.org. It is the runaway train of free speech. It just doesn't stop. There's no stopping it. Uh, except that we need some money. So send lots of money to 2251 Double Creek Drive, Suite 302, Round Rock, Texas, 78664. Phone it into 1 800 724 2719, extension 3. Yeah, RBN, Okay, so. Rather than doing it in the middle of the night, I'm waking up early. I've got a lot of stuff going on today, and um, it's Boomer Vision. We are going to just go through stuff. We're going to see what the heck is going on. Um, so, there's a lot going on all over the world. We're going to start with Ukraine. Oh, what the heck was that? Uh, so in Ukraine, it's all falling apart. I don't know how long this will go on. Maybe this is going to go on for a long, long time still. Uh, Vladimir Putin is very, very cautious. He's a cautious person. He doesn't want World War Three. He doesn't want a lot of casualties on his side. And so, you know, people have been... Wondering, well, why doesn't he just, like, blitzkrieg across the uh, Ukrainian steppe? Well, that's not, that's not in his playbook. That's not really his style. But it's falling apart for Ukraine, as you're probably aware. Last week, after much, um, much hype and speculation and whatnot, uh, Zelensky finally fired his uh, top military commander, General Valery Zeluzhny. That happened after uh, Victoria Nuland made a, a trip out to Kiev. And from reports, it seems that Va- Val- um, Victoria Nuland was trying to find a way to, to keep everybody on board. But Zeluzhny, so the, the thing is, Zelensky's um, term is going to expire. Um, I, had a, I think he was elected at the end of March. Was he inaugurated in May? Uh, um, but his, his term is going to expire soon. Uh, he had a five-year term. And as you might remember... Um, the phone call from Donald Trump to uh, to Zelensky congratulating him on his election and inauguration was the uh, the pretext for the f- the first Trump impeachment. That's so that's kind of the timing, and that that impeachment was going on. Um, it, it was going on during all of uh, 2019, right? That was going on during 2019. It culminated with uh, him being impeached in December, and then 
the the his trial was going to be in January of 2020, right? And in order to curry favor with Republican senators, because I think at the time, if if he if the Democrats were all going to vote against him, he uh, he needed he needed at least 34. Republican senators, 34 out of, what was it, 50 at the time. So he could he could only afford to lose 16. I don't think he lost any, but he was worried about it, and you had people who didn't like him. And so to curry favor with them, he assassinated General Soleimani. That was according to the Wall Street Journal. They said that that was why he did it. And so, and Soleimani... That was the very beginning of January 2020. We just switched decades, right? It was a brand new decade. And then only days later, you started getting these reports out of Wuhan about the coronavirus. So the, the, I'm just trying to get this timeline here. So that phone call to uh, Zelensky happened. It was to congratulate him. So when he was a new president... And by the way, look into Joe Biden because, you know, who as vice president and and viceroy, effective viceroy of Ukraine, uh, he was up to some shenanigans. So why don't you look into that? That was the phone call. And so it's a five year term. So his term will be expiring. I guess the elections would have to be held. I think the elections would have to be held by the end of March, and then the inauguration is probably in May. So his term is going to be expiring. And uh, he is not holding elections. He's saying that the uh, during the state of emergency or war, um, that ele- the Constitution allows for elections to be postponed. I'm not super familiar with the Ukrainian constitution. I think the elections for the legislature can be postponed, and I think it may be ambiguous as to whether the presidential elections can be postponed or not. So his constitutional legitimacy will be coming into question in the next few months, Uh He's under criticism. He's uh, his predecessor, uh, Petro Poroshenko, who had been president for a five-year period after the so-called Maidan Revolution, the Maidan Coup. Uh, he, Poroshenko. Now, I'm not sure how why Poroshenko was giving a speech in the Ukrainian Parliament, but. I've heard Alexander Makuris uh, on multiple occasions refer to Poroshenko as recently having made a speech in the Ukrainian parliament calling for Zelensky to resign. Uh, Zelensky apparently for weeks had been trying to get Zeluzny to resign and Zeluzny was saying, I'm not resigning. You know, you'll have to fire me. So you had all that that drama going on. Now Zelensky is, or Zeluzhny is out, and uh, this guy Sierski is in. Sierski's 
not particularly popular. Sirsky is a an ethnic Russian and is older. One thing about Zaluzhny, he's just 50. And so the Soviet Union broke up 24 years ago, or 23 years ago. And uh, I guess it was, it was a little more than 22 years ago. So at the time the Soviet Union broke up, Zaluzhny would have only been about 18, so he wasn't in the military yet. Uh, these older uh, generals, like Sirsky, I'm not sure how old Sirsky is, but Sirsky is old enough that he was an officer in the Soviet military. Does that really matter? It doesn't matter to me, but maybe it matters in the context of uh, Ukrainian politics. At any rate, Zaluzhny had a certain amount of support within the the Ukrainian military. I mean, Zaluzhny has gone along with all this this craziness, just feeding people into the uh, meat grinder. I think the thing is, like, there's this strategy that's been used to hold to hold territory. And I'm not a I'm not a military person, but there's different ways of looking at at the uh, prog- progression of the war. And the uh, people in the Western media and the U- Ukrainian government have been looking at it in terms of square inches of land held, right, territory held. So they've been, they've been concerned with the map and uh, what territory is held. Whereas the, the Russians have been concerned with inflicting casualties. And so they have not wanted to incur casualties and they have wanted to inflict casualties on their their enemy, which in this case is the brotherly nation of Ukraine. And so uh, the, the Russians on occasions have been willing to relinquish territory in order to uh, preserve their troops. This is something that the Ukrainians have been unwilling to do. So you, so the Russians famously withdrew from Kharkov and from Kherson, and these were lauded by the Western media as great Ukrainian victories. This was in uh, the late summer 2022, but these were places that uh, Russia was not going to be able to hold without incurring unacceptable casualties. So they withdrew. The Ukrainians moved in and <laughs> and accepted unacceptable casualties. I mean, they, they when they moved in, these were not easy to defend places, and they accepted a lot of casualties. And are going to lose them ultimately anyway. The thing is, when you get down to it, the territory can always be recaptured. The The dead cannot be uh, reincarnated or whatever it is. They cannot be risen from the dead. So that's been the big thing. The Ukrainian military... Um, I don't know how beloved 
Zaluzny really is, because he, he's been part of all of this. But he's within the military, he seems to be more popular than Zelensky. He seems to be more popular than Sierski. Now you've got this situation where the loyalty of the military is now at question at a, at a time when the military is uh, being routed on the front lines at a time when the military is vastly under undermanned and you've got uh, conscription you've got these uh, conscription gangs going around the country literally pulling men off the street and and men don't want to get conscripted they don't want to go in they don't want to go to the front line because they see it as a death sentence and so I haven't seen these myself, but Alexander Mercurius talks about these videos that are all over the internet. Well, actually, I have seen I have seen a couple of them myself. But of uh, of these f- fights, fist fights, where you get the recruiters trying to uh, conscript men off the street and the men resisting violently. So. I mean, that's a state of morale. I mean, whereas in, in Russia, you've got um, people just going down to the uh, recruitment offices and volunteering. And they do they get sent straight to the front? No, they don't. They don't get to the front at all. These are people who are being trained really to be occupation troops. Um, so it's it's all falling apart. And here's the point. Now... Um, Zelensky's in the position of needing to purge the military of uh, Zeluzny supporters. Well, how do you do that? Do you fire them? Or do you send them to the front line to be fed into the meat grinder and slaughtered? And then if you're if you're in the military and you're being sent to the front line, are you being sent to the front line for any good military reason or just because Zelensky wants to get rid of you because your commander, your officer is pro-Zeluzhny. And so it's really falling apart. The uh, Ukrainians are... Uh, I, I'm not following all, all of the, the villages and towns, but the Ukrainians are losing uh, and being surrounded in important Abdievka or something like that. There's a, a town that's been heavily watched, and and they're, the Ukrainians have been surrounded there. They're, they've lost it. So it's just it's just bad news after bad news there. So that's that's what's going on in Ukraine. So that's that's bad news there. I'm gonna take a little look and see if there's anything I need, we need to finish up on for moving on to the next area. Just looking at RT, where else would I look besides RT? Um, not a whole lot about Ukraine, even. Um, okay. Oh, well, here's a feature. I'm not, I'm not going to read much from it, but just a headline. A very Soviet Union. Why has Zelensky picked a Russian general as the new leader of the of Ukraine's army. Kiev's new commander-in-chief was born and raised in Russia, where his family still live. 
just going to read a couple of sentences from it, just, just, just for you to get a taste of this. A change in Ukraine's, and this is from, um, this is from February 14th, from Valentine's Day, from Wednesday. Okay. A change in Ukraine's military leadership anticipated for several months has finally happened as a result of a long-simmering personal conflict between Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky and the former commander-in-chief of the armed forces of Ukraine, Valery Zaluzhny. The latter has been replaced by Alexander Sirsky. He's an experienced military commander with a long track record but controversial background. Sirsky was born in Russia and comes from a family of patriots, Russian patriots. Even the military decisions made by Sirsky over the course of his career raise many doubts about whether the commander, who has earned the nicknames Butcher and General 200, 200 being the military code for soldiers' corpses, oh jeepers, um, is really the best man for the job. However, as experts note, Sirsky is a convenient option for Zelensky since he is not a political rival of the Ukrainian president. Okay, uh, let's just do a little bit more. Tensions between Zelensky and Zelensky had flared up because of the Ukrainian army's failure on the front. The president and commander-in-chief blamed each other for last year's failed uh, summer counteroffensive. Well, initially, and for whatever reason, um, Alexander Mercurius keeps insisting that it wasn't a, a failed counteroffensive. It was a defeated counteroffensive, that the Russians defeated it, not that it failed. I don't know if that's really an important distinction, but at any rate. Uh, while initially there were only rumors about a disagreement, the later situation became public. By the end of January, the Ukrainian media was actively discussing... Zaluzhny's imminent dismissal, while such plans were officially denied by the authorities, the press didn't stop talking about Zelensky's intentions to fire the top general. The Western media also covered it. <clears throat> All right. And then Zelensky himself only confirmed the plans to replace Ukraine's commander-in-chief on February 5th. All right, so that's... Um, I'm just scrolling down... So, so Sierski was born in 1965. That makes him 58. Uh, he entered the Soviet military, I guess, at uh, the Moscow Higher Combined Arms Command School in 1982. He would have been 17. Okay. Uh, and then he got sent to Ukraine in 86. Um, okay, so, so whatever, uh, does that matter to, to us? Maybe it's kind of irrelevant to us, but uh, apparently it matters there. All right. So that's enough with that. Next is what's going on.
Tehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood, which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop, and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit drinksupertea.com. The first word is drink, spelled D-R-I-N-K, then the word super, then the word tea. The complete website is drinksupertea.com or call us at 818-965-9113, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-965-9113, drinksupertea.com. Did you know the IRS publicly admits that income tax is collected by voluntary compliance? Get the information you need to help you avoid income tax with these five easy steps. All you have to do is go to avoidincometax.com to get your five easy steps on how to avoid the IRS income tax. Escape the IRS. Let avoidincometax.com help you. We guarantee our five easy steps or your money back. Go to avoidincometax.com. Attention freedom-loving patriots, are you ready to dive deep into the principles that founded our great nation? Join me, Peter Serafine, and the Institute on the Constitution as we light the way to a brighter future with the Liberty Lighthouse Classroom. At liberty-lighthouse.com slash classroom, you'll find a treasure trove of online courses on the U.S. Constitution, carefully crafted to empower you with knowledge to defend your rights and liberty, whether you're a student, a history enthusiast, or just a concerned citizen. These courses are for you. Gain a comprehensive understanding of our Constitution's principles, the wisdom of our founding fathers, and how to apply them in today's world. As a special offer to our freedom-loving listeners of Republic Broadcasting Network, use coupon code RBN at checkout and get 20% discount on any course. Join the Liberty Lighthouse Classroom and be a part of the movement to uphold the values that have made our nation exceptional. Unleash the power of knowledge and protect what truly matters, our Constitution. Visit liberty-lighthouse.com classroom today. Don't miss this incredible opportunity. Use code RBN for 20% off. Together, we'll be the beacon of freedom our founding generation envisioned. Liberty Lighthouse Classroom. Illuminating minds, empowering patriots. there all right so that's enough with that next is what's going on in the middle east and it is just gradually heating up we've got uh the the gaza operation which isn't going well uh even Netanyahu himself is coming out and saying, well, look, we're only killing one civilian per Hamas fighter, which isn't true. Um, 
it's it's pretty clear that people are being killed more or less randomly that you've had at this point over what is it it's hard to keep track like 27,000 deaths is that the last 20 it's 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 going towards 30,000 deaths and everybody keeps saying that it's majority women and children it seems like it's pretty much reflecting the population. The population is um, close to 50% under the age of 18. That's that's how we're defining child. Although, you know, obviously somebody in their mid to upper teens, like Zaluzhny entered the, not Zaluzhny, um, Sirsky entered the, Ukraine, the um, Soviet military at the age 17. So, you know, you can be under the ages of eighteen, and be, but anyway, that's just around the just around the edges. So it's you know the population's over forty percent minor, you know, and then the remaining sixty percent, sixty percent minus, is going to be about half women and half men, so about thirty percent, thirty percent. So forty uh, percent, the, the population's forty percent children, thirty percent adult women. That's 70%. And that seems to be what we're hearing about the casualties. They're 70% uh, women and children. So it seems to be pretty much random. Um, and the weaponry that is being used by Israel, you would, you would expect it to produce random results. They're, they're collapsing buildings. Uh, they're using these explosives. Uh, uh, they're dropping bombs. So they're, this is not like house to house type of stuff. They're just, um, using, um, what, what is the name explosives at distances? That's what they're using. And so you, you expect the killing to be rather indiscriminate. So you got, um, and, and in terms of, um, combined deaths, severe injury, and missing. I think you're up around 100,000. 100,000. Now, the population, if you're a little over 100,000 and the population of Gaza, I I hear it 2.1 million, 2.3 million, um, you're getting close to 5% of the population being dead, severely injured, or missing. Um, I don't know how how severely injured this uh, severely injured has to be. You're that's like five percent right there, um, and then something like eighty percent of the population has been displaced, so they're living outdoors. They're outdoors, they're um, in temporary shelters. And the thing is, if you're still at home, if you're still in your own home and 80% of the people around you are displaced, you know you've got people in your house. I mean, so everybody, everybody's being affected bigly, right? There's nothing to eat. Okay, so Brandon managed to convince the president of Mexico to open his border with Gaza. He meant he meant uh 
Sisi, the president of Egypt, uh, I, I don't know if Sisi was, I mean, obviously Sisi was not going to let the people of Gaza into the Sinai, because that's exactly what Israel wants. Israel wants uh, to, to expel the population and just take control of it. Uh, so the population is stuck. They are stuck. If they leave Gaza, then Israel can, can take control of Gaza and never give it back, which is what they want. Uh, meanwhile, the, the population is, is just stuck there, and they are being, they are the proverbial fish in a barrel. And they're being shot and uh, exp- blown up. So you've got that situation. Uh, and the world is enraged. And so a recent general UN General Assembly vote was uh, something like 190 to 4. Listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news, real talk, real people. Because you can handle the truth. Are you sick of censorship? TLB Talk is the cure. TLB stands for truth, liberty, and balance. We are the newest and most unique social media platform to hit the internet. We were built out of necessity because Big Tech, Big Pharma, and Big Brother are out of control. The only thing bigger than them is when we the people are united. With that vision, TLB Talk was born. Our battlefield is in cyberspace. The battle we're in can be won by clicks of buttons and voting with your wallet. TLB Talk has no hidden agendas, no corporate funding, and we do not sell, trade, or give away any of your information. Our platform runs off of generous donations of members and merchandise profits. So please, check out our site. It's the best around. And be sure to stop by our store. It's loaded with items that'll have you feeling a sense of member pride and victory. Come unite with us today at TLBTalk.com and join the social media revolution. Hey there, are you going to wait till the cows come home to get your new ease-off drop-and-lift? What in the world is an ease-off drop-and-lift? Our Ease-Off is a new tool to increase production for your meat processing company that will get that whole hog or half a beef on or off your rail with our remote control. That sounds great, but can I afford it? Sure, and the Ease-Off installs fast. The effortless operation will reduce fatigue, speed up your line, and increase profits. Okay, I'm convinced. Where can I get my Ease-Off? Go to easeoff.com. That's E-A-Z-E-O-F-F dot com. And hurry because we're offering free shipping for a limited time. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC, 417-932-6419. 
Homeowners, if your lender has gone out of business or sold your transaction to another lender or servicer, you may be the victim of a wrongful foreclosure resulting in the loss of your home. If you've already lost your home, are in foreclosure, or even in good standing, you can challenge the mortgage transaction's illegal issue and your property can be restored to you, and your foreclosure can be stopped or reversed and the mortgage transaction declared unenforceable. State laws, U.S. title codes, the Uniform Commercial Codes, and U.S. Supreme Court rulings have upheld that defective mortgage documentations can reverse or stop foreclosures and enforce property title claims in favor of the homeowner. We are having successes in stopping the process of foreclosure, the enforcement of the foreclosure judgments, the sale of property, and evictions after the sale. We are not attorneys, and we don't give legal advice. We are a professional team of legal researchers, providing forensic mortgage audits and expert witnesses. We have the knowledge to produce the evidence and enforce laws regarding your legal issues. We've been in business for 12 years without a complaint. Consultations are free, and we provide a free title search to confirm if your mortgage has legal defects. Email Tom at republicbroadcasting.org. T-O-M at republicbroadcasting.org. general UN General Assembly vote was uh, something like 190 to 4. So United States and Israel voting against this uh, ceasefire resolution. And the only other two countries were uh, the Federated States of Micronesia and uh, Nehru. Nehru is, I'm pretty sure, the smallest member country. You know, the Vatican, the Vatican, I don't think, is a member of the United Nations. Vatican is, I believe it's an observer. And the Vatican is technically an independent country. It's, you know, that's where the the Pope lives in Rome. And I don't know if you've been to Rome and been to the Vatican. I've been to the Vatican. And I I remember walking around the Vatican. You can walk around the outside in the Italian section. But you're walking, you can in what 40 minutes or something you can you can circumnavigate the entire vatican it's it's just tiny um so it's just it's the size of a shopping mall okay so it's not a real country but it's technically sovereign and they have their own army which uh i don't th- i don't know if their army has guns they have swords it's it's kind of they're ceremonial the swiss guard at any rate nehru i believe is the smallest member state it's uh, an island that is in the Pacific. It's on bird migratory routes, and so birds go there, and they have been pooping there for um, millions of years. I don't know how long it's been there, for hundreds of thousands of years. I don't know how long the island's been there. And so it had guano. Guano is uh, nitrogen-rich fertilizer, and uh, the guano is gone, but the the money that was made from the guano mining was invested and that's how the 12,000 or so citizens of Nehru live i don't know how many of the 12,000 citizens are still living on the island i don't know if they live on the island or if they're living in australia or what but that's that's Nehru they voted along with israel 
they didn't vote along with Australia. Australia is kind of like it's in charge of Nehru, basically. And then the Federated States of Micronesia, I've been there, and you got these these tiny little islands. Um, Truck is one of them. Ponape is the one with... Truck and Ponape, I guess, are the main two. Um, And so Ponape is just... Like, I've walked from one side to another. That takes a while walking from one side of the, the island to another, but you can you can do it in in an afternoon and then come back. So the, these are nothing stateless. Anyway, um, the, the, the Israel's getting extremely isolated, and uh, and now you're having uh, well, you already had Yemen and the effective government of Yemen. I don't know if the, uh, is this Houthi? So there had been a civil war in Yemen, as there has been actually for much of its uh, existence as an independent state. I, if On my globe, uh, I have a National Geographic globe from around 1970. I had one that was older, but uh, when I was a kid, my brother and sister and I were roughhousing and I got pushed off a bunk bed and I, I smashed into the globe and broke it. My dad taped it up with, um, you know, scotch tape. But um, I got a new globe for uh, Christmas. But the globe had Yemen as North Yemen and South Yemen because it's it's really always had these divisions. But at any rate, Yemen... Uh, which has these divisions, but it, it, the effective government is uh, these this Houthi tribe or tribal militia or whatever, and uh, they've declared war on Israel. I don't know if their government uh, is recognized by the United Nations. I don't know if the Houthis are sending an ambassador to New York, um, but they are the effective government, and they've declared war on Israel. And... Um, I guess they're, maybe they're recognized by Iran or they're not recognized by Saudi Arabia. Actually, I tell you what, I'm going to pause for a second and just check that because we might as well have clarification. Okay, yeah. Looking up Yemen in the uh, uh, Wikipedia wasn't that helpful, but but reading through that and then looking up uh, Houthi movement uh, clarified things to an extent. So, the officially recognized government by the United Nations is this uh, presidential leadership council, uh, and they are they, uh, I guess, are still in the uh, western part. I'm sorry, the eastern part of the country, uh, uh, in in Aden. Um, the Gulf of Aden, which is uh, adjacent to the Indian Ocean. Uh, so apparently they're dominant there, but the um, the area that used to be called North Yemen on my globe that is adjacent to the Red Sea and centered in Sana'a, this is where the uh, the Houthis are in, in control. So at any rate, I just wanted clarification there. And the, the, the Houthis who control what used to be called North Yemen, like I said, that you had North Yemen and South Yemen, uh, and it's North Yemen that is adjacent to the Red Sea. Uh, they they have been 
um, implementing a blockade of of Israeli shipping going in and out of the Red Sea. And of course, is, Israel has a, a tiny little port at the very southern tip. You can think of the way Israel was shaped. It's got this big, the southern part of Israel is a big wedge. That's the Nagiv des- Desert. And its boundaries are these two diagonal lines that come down and don't quite form a point. Just before they would form a point, they hit this tiny little f- finger gulf of something or other off of the sea of uh, uh, the Red Sea. And at the top of the Red Sea, it has these two little fingers. Uh, one goes to the north east or one goes to the northwest and they form the uh, uh, coastlines of the Sinai Peninsula, which is part of Egypt. But at any rate, at the very... Oh, hold on. I'll give you the name of it. Um, but at the very top of the Red Sea, uh, it's it's interesting geography. Let's, 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 get, let's go to maps. Maps. Um, maps.google.com and then with maps, I don't have to actually type anything in. I can just uh, move around. Okay, so yeah, at the top of the Red Sea, going up to the northwest, you have the Gulf of Suez. That goes towards the Suez Canal, and that I call it a finger. So it goes um, about two thirds of the way, and then the Suez Canal can be rather it's. What what are what is the uh, I'm trying to see what the scale how many miles we're talking about I can only guesstimate I'm seeing the Gaza Strip here and I know the Gaza Strip's like 25 miles long and so the the Suez Canal path of the Suez Canal uh, there there is the lake in the middle but maybe the Suez Canal has to be like 70 miles long or something at any rate the on the other finger that is the Gulf of Akaba, or ha- Ahaba, it's got a Q in it, which isn't as long as the Gulf of Suez, and if, so, that might be, oh, that might be like 75 miles long, and then it gets you within maybe uh, 100 and something miles of the Mediterranean, and, you know, sometimes you hear about the uh, Ben-Gurion Canal, like uh, this project that Israel would like to do, to build a canal, um, as an alternative to the Suez Canal, it would have to be twice as long as the, at least twice as long as the Suez Canal, and it hasn't happened yet. Um, but and Gaza is in the way. Well, is Gaza that much in the way? Um, it one way, either way, it has to it would have to be long. But at any rate, you look at the Gulf of Ahava, and um, so it's got the Sinai Peninsula to the west. To the east, it has um, Saudi Arabia. So Saudi Arabia comes right up there. And then at the very, very top, you've got these tiny coastlines of Jordan and Israel. So Jordan and Israel both have coastlines. The Israeli coastline, um, again, using the Gaza Strip, the length of the Gaza Strip, 25 miles as a reference, the... uh, Israeli coastline would be maybe five or six miles. It's eh, maybe seven, something like that at most. And the Jordan coastline, just slightly longer. The Jordan coastline might be 
oh, 10 miles. And so Israel's only 10 miles from Saudi Arabia. They don't share a border, but they're really, really close. So I'm just get, giving you the geography there. You can look at a, at a map. Um, but So Yemen is able to uh, close the Red Sea to shipping to that port, or actually any shipping to Israel. Uh, I guess, I mean, that's, that's where the shipping to Israel would go. I mean, conceivably, it could go through the Suez Canal into the Mediterranean and into uh, Israel's Mediterranean ports. But at any rate, um, any shipping to Israel from Asia, from the Indian, that goes through the Indian Ocean, at this point now, uh, has to go all the way around Africa. And so, the Yemenis are involved in the war, to that extent. You've now got um, Israel bombing Lebanon and killing civilians there. So that's started. Things are really on the edge. You've got... So the Gaza is a um, hundred... What is it? It's 25 miles long. It's a strip. Um, it's not of uniform width, but for most of its length, it's five miles wide, and then it gets a little, down in the south, it gets a little bit fatter. But five miles, I mean, five miles is a dog walk. Okay, 25 miles is a marathon, and five miles is just a dog walk. And so, you know, you can, you can walk from one side, from the east to the west, from the Israeli border to the Mediterranean Sea, five miles, you can, you can walk that in less than two hours, right? You can walk that if you're at a brisk walk in about one hour, if you know where you're going. Um, and then 25 miles is a marathon. But, you know, if you were to walk for the whole day, you can, you can walk the whole length of it. That's, that's Gaza. And if you're thinking of, of in terms of uh, population, it's, uh, so I think Gaza is what, about 140 square miles? We can get this, too. It's about 140 square miles. Chicago, I think, is 191 square miles. So it's smaller than Chicago. Uh, look, we'll get the, this. Um, 141 square miles. Okay, so I was right on that. Population estimate is uh, 2.3 million. Two, actually, it says 2.37. So it's close to 2.4 million. Okay, so that's Gaza. So... You know, you're thinking 2.3, 2.4 million in 140, um, uh, 141 square miles. That is um, six, almost 17,000 per square mile. Okay, let's look at Chicago because I think Chicago is probably uh, maybe the, maybe that's the easiest uh, comparison. Chicago, Chicago, Chicago. And uh, Chicago, city of Chicago. Oops, that was not the right. Here we go. It's Wikipedia. So Chicago, which actually has almost similar shape. So it has. Okay, uh, okay. So it's a little bigger than I thought. I, I said one ninety one. It's actually two. 27, 227, 228 square miles, and it's 2.7 million 
So, uh, population density, do they have population density here? Uh, urban density. It's um, oh, 12,000 per square mile as opposed to, what did we say, 16,000 per square mile? So, yeah. So, it, you're talking about something along the lines of Chicago. Now, they, they, they talk about different cities within Gaza, the Gaza city in the north and Rafah in the south. But the whole thing, it's not like these cities are separated by uh, rural areas. The whole thing is effectively one giant city. Uh, and so the Israeli operations started in the north, and they told everybody to move to the south. In the south, that's called Rafah. And you have, you know, Rafah has uh, uh, gates and presumably tunnels uh, going under the border in, into Egypt. So it's got a, a short border with Egypt that's probably about seven, seven miles long because the strip is a little bit fatter in the south. And, uh, and that's Rafa down adjacent to Egypt. And so, so the bulk of the population has moved down into the south. Well, now uh, Israel is threatening to invade there. And Egypt, who signed a peace treaty with Israel, what, in 1978, I believe it was? At least that's when the Camp David talks were going on in 78. Was the treaty signed in 79? But basically, we're talking 45 years ago. They've had a peace treaty. And they're saying, look, if you, if you, invade, the, if you invade the South, where the, where the people are, are massed. I mean, the people are just huddled together in the South. Uh, we're going to scrap our peace treaty, and that's a big deal. Scrap the peace treaty. You could, you could have, you you could potentially have Egypt, uh, and the you know the Egypt Israeli war. Uh, these were big, were big deals. Egypt is ninety million, over ninety million people. Um, is it over a hundred million? Excellent. Let me check this for a second because I think it's important. Yeah, so Egypt's 110 million people. So it's it's falling apart. Um, I don't know. I only have a couple minutes left. And then you've got this. this. People often write to tell us what has happened for them since starting Extendivite. Allow me to read a few highlights. Extendivite works in keeping my blood pressure in the normal range. I have been using Extendivite for many years. Great product. I use regularly and I rarely get sick. This product has relieved what appeared to be angina pain in my chest and shortness of breath after climbing stairs. I'm quite happy about it. My husband, son, and I have been using this product for a few months now, and we have noticed an improvement in our joints and blood pressure. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Extend your life with 
And so, so it wound up, or maybe maybe there's even more than 19, I don't know, but it wound up passing handily. Okay, I know, I know. All right. So it wound up passing easily. And now it's it's at the House of Representatives. And the thing is, the House of Representatives, the Republicans only have a three-vote majority at this point because they, they genocided... Um, Santos, the the guy the, the guy who pretended to be a Jewish banker in order to be elected, because he thought, yeah, it'll make me really popular if I say I'm a, if I'm a Jewish Goldman Sachs banker, and he wasn't. So the Republicans said, you lied, and they they the Republicans allowed him to be kicked out. Okay, and so and then he's been replaced by a Democrat. So they've got this razor thin uh, margin now. The squad members. Um, to their credit, to their credit, um, aren't likely to vote for this because of the the money for Israel. Um, but you know the Republicans can only afford a few defectors. Well, in the Senate, like a third of the Republicans wound up voting for this. So the question really is whether Johnson, the Speaker, is just going to allow a vote for it. If he allows a vote for it, I think it's it passes. And that's and, and and then what kind of role is Trump playing? I mean, Trump is opposing it, but Trump's because Trump is fundamentally clueless. I mean, I think he's got good instincts, but he's clueless. I hesitate to use the word retarded, but um, he's saying no, no, we can't give Ukraine uh, sixty billion. We've got to lend it to them with good with good repayment terms. We've got to lend it to them. This is so retarded. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm uh, I, by default, we're going to have, we are going to have somebody in the white house. Putin. I don't know if he believes it or not. He's saying, well, at least Joe Biden's predictable. <clears throat> at least Joe Biden's predictable. Well, yeah. Um, but from, I think from our point of view, from Putin's point of view, being in uh, America, being invaded over the Southern, across the southern border is probably not a very high priority. It's got to be a high priority for us. And so I think, I mean, I don't think there's any option other than to uh, hope Trump becomes president. It's unpredictable. It could be a complete disaster, but I'm running out of time. So that's it for today. I'll be back again next week with more exciting episodes of National Viewer Radio. What would you say if I told you we have a new tool that will increase production and lower maintenance costs for your meat processing company, and it would pay for itself in just six weeks? When pigs fly! The new Ease-Off Model EZ4 replaces old spring-style carcass droppers and is faster, safer, and more reliable. The Ease-Off lowers or lifts 1,000 pounds to or from your rail automatically using our remote control. Sounds expensive. Can I afford it? Can you afford not to try the Ease-Off? It installs fast with just three bolts in place of your current dropper. The effortless operation will reduce fatigue and injuries, speed up your line, eliminate downtime, and increase profit. How can I order my EaseOff? Go to EaseOff.com, E-A-Z-E-O-F-F.com. And hurry, because we are offering $200 off on the new Easy 4 for a limited time. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC. Summersville, Missouri. 417-932-6419. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network.
because you can handle the truth. truth, truth.